When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Matt Lieb. And I'm Vince Mancini. And this is Pod Yourself a Gun. A Sopranos podcast where Vince Mancini and I go through every single episode of The Sopranos and talk, talk about, about it. it. <laughs> uh, thank you so much for listening. Once again, just reminding you to give us five stars and leave a review on the old, uh, you know, on the old podcast machine app. Uh, we would appreciate it. Um, I ask you to do it every week and, uh, every week you fail me. So let this be the week you decide not to fail me and, uh, do that. Also, patreon.com slash broadcast, the $8 tier gets you a shout out at the end of the pod. And we actually do have a new, uh, patron, uh, who decided to go for the $8 tier today. And we will say your name at the end of the show. Get re- I hope you're listening, bud. Cause woo, today's oh. your lucky day. Although it would be sick if you weren't listening, if you were like, nah, you just deserve $8, you know? Yeah, true. That would be, be sick. Yeah. You know, more, more people should do like that. Like an anonymous benefactor. I like it. Yeah. Like we need a, like a Miss Havisham, <laughs> you know? We need... <laughs> this This is what this podcast needs, a Miss Havisham. That would be sick. All right. Although I guess she really wasn't the benefactor, right? No, no it was no. The, <laughs> it was the criminal guy. It was right? Robert De Niro the whole time. Yeah. I saw the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Who wrote that movie? Doesn't matter. Uh, <laughs> anyways, today uh, our guest is uh, a very, very special man from a very, very special podcast from the What a Time to Be Alive podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Patrick Monahan. Hello. Hey, what's, what's up, buddy? Uh, not much. I just want to say uh, the description, it was Robert De Niro the whole time, could also be used to describe the film Angel Heart for those who are not familiar. With oh, I don't know Angel Heart. What happened? What's that about? That's where he, uh, well, he, I don't want to spoil it too badly. It's uh, also 30 years old, has Mickey Rourke when he was still like a handsome guy. Uh, but yeah. um, huh. it's where he, Ro- Ro- Robert De Niro plays a weird, mysterious guy in a suit with long hair and like long fingernails, kind of like pointy fingernails <laughs> named Louis Cipher. And it turns out that he's the <laughs> devil. So. Oh, he was the devil the whole time? He was the devil the whole time. So. Oh, shit. Oh, that man. sucks. Al Pacino sort of just fucking ripping off De Niro again in uh, <laughs> whatever the one where he was the devil for Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The uh, Devil's Advocate. Yeah, that's the I, one. I, I, yeah, yeah. I saw that one. I like it. Louis Cipher. That's good. Yeah. That's like that's like in uh in Scream or no. What what was it? It was like I still know what you did last summer when you found out the guy. Uh, is the killer because his last name is Benson and then he just looks and he goes Ben's son and like he explains his last name he's like oh because Ben was the killer in the first one I love good writing 
Um, speaking of good writing, uh, you, uh, Patrick, you are a fan of The Sopranos. Am I wrong? You are not wrong. You almost caught me there. I almost said yes, but that would have been you, you, yes. I am a fan of The Sopranos. <laughs> correct. Yeah. So, uh, do you have any? The, do you have any like Guido experience in your in your own life that would make the show extra uh, uh, hit close to home? Um, let's see. I I am one hundred percent Irish, but my uh, my dad is wait. From Bay Ridge. Hold on, this podcast is over. We did, you didn't tell yeah. us that beforehand. I know we got I an go. Irishman here. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't. I can't. Yeah, I can't be. I can never be made and all, et cetera. I know it's a bummer, oh, but um, that sucks. I uh, yeah. So my my, my but my my dad grew up in Bay Ridge. We basically only went to Italian restaurants. That's like the only food that we ever went. Like so, we have this sort of. Um, you know, uh, Ita- Italian is very important. Uh, he had a he had friends who were like you know guys from that part of the city and stuff. So yeah, I you know I I I know where to, where we got the good cannolis and mm. all, you know and like the special mm. you know like put it this way we went to a restaurant and one time uh, we were like so, you know regulars and stuff and they they had special sausage they got just for us from the their meat provider mm-hmm. and they made it for us and somebody on their table was like. Uh, Oh, can I have what they're having? And they said, "Oh no, they brought their own sausage, so you can't." So. Goddamn! <laughs> he got the special so. sausage. Um, yeah. Why? How come? How come the Irish didn't like come here and open restaurants when they when they emigrated? It seems that's that, a great question. Did that, did that happen, or like was it just too early for there to be restaurants? Seems like everybody. I think they were all too poor to have food that people wanted to eat other than them? I don't know. Were That's they a good question. Just too That's associated true. with famine in the public mind? Yeah, it's it's like, a, you know, if there was like an, an Irish uh, olive garden, it would be like, when you're here, you're thinking about death. <laughs> <laughs> or like, you know, when, when you're here, you've frozen out some portion of your family. That's kind of it, I think. When you're here, you're escaping your family. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just... The salad and breadsticks cost money, but the uh, the despair is unlimited, mm, uh, which right. is nice. <laughs> um, so, did you uh, like? Is Soprano something you watched while it was airing, or did you uh, kind of catch on to it late? Um, it ended. Well, no. Let's see. I want to say um, I, I watched it in a group in college, kind of toward like towards the middle end of the run. I can't remember exactly yeah. how it lines up. Um, but because I know what kind of the, the episode, the season started getting stretched out and it was go, coming out half at a time. So, right, like that. right. But, um, I remember in college, like watching, you know, Tony like looking out at the waves at the at the beach house by himself in the winter. So, like, it was that kind of era of, of oh, the yeah, show. yeah. Um, and that was like my junior senior year of college, maybe. So, yeah, I watched so, it and, and then I went back yeah. and watched the beginning kind of all in a, all in a, and I got, I always got the DVDs for Christmas on, yeah, you know, whatever, whenever they came out. So, that was, yeah, I, I have them all now too. So, yeah, yeah. It is, uh, you were describing something from the end of this season, I believe, which uh, no spoilers, although we mostly we do a lot of spoilers on the show. But, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, he did a lot of staring out at the waves. Like He did that last season a couple times. No, but he, he said specific to Beach House, did he not? Uh, mm-hmm. We won't get into it, right. but we will eventually. It's been long enough that I don't remember, so yeah, why not? Well, we'll get into Can't that uh, a little bit later, uh, but first, let's get into this podcast, and before we do, we must, of course, play the theme song. Pod. 
podcast. Pod. 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 Podcast. It's seamless. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, so today we are going to be talking about from season four, episode four of The Sopranos, The Wait, which premiered on October 6th, 2002. Uh, Vince, why don't you uh, let us know what the synopsis is according to, uh, I don't know, IMDb. A joke sparks a series of hit contracts while Carmela finds herself happier than perhaps she should be that Furio will be around for good. I like that you're pronouncing it Furio. Hey, Furio. Yeah, instead of Furio, which is the way everyone else pronounces it on the show. Mm, mm. Yeah. So, uh, what was uh, what was happening during this the, during this time in America when yeah, this episode came out? Yeah, you know, you can't evaluate art w- without acknowledging its cultural context, and that's why we mm-hmm. got to take uh, the Remember When machine. Walk, walk, Remember Remember when is the lowest form of conversation. So what do we say? October 6, 2002, um, a lot of things were going on. I tried to pick some stories that would have a little uh, relevance to today. And to this episode specifically? Yeah, well, just for the, this time period today. Oh, sure. Um, um, from the New York Times, this was October 6, 2002. Schoolyard superstar aims for a second act as an adult um, and it's about none other than uh, Britney Spears. And uh, what? Yeah, yeah. Britney Spears, the pop star who brought Sizzle to the schoolyard with glitter t shirts and short shorts, strode onto a Milan runway last Tuesday evening in a $23,000 rainbow spangled gown by Donatella Versace. Um, you know, she's turning 21. She's trying to reinvent herself as an adult. Uh, Miss yeah. Spears. Who made her debut as a wholesome bubblegum star with a penchant for sweetly flashing her belly button is caught in a vicious conundrum of fame. Why is it written like this? <laughs> it's near <laughs> that. It's getting weird. But <laughs> a vicious conundrum of fame acquired young. The qualities that made her accessible and popular as a teenage star may be precisely the ones choking her career as an adult, leaving her looking like an unseemly parody as she tries to become a grown-up recording artist. I mean, it's like, it's interesting that I think this is, you did pick a very relevant uh, thing to our time period in which we are totally reevaluating coverage of Britney Spears back mm-hmm. in the day. Like this, this has it all. It has uh, infantilizing her and, uh, you know, uh, being weirdly horny for her oh, at gets, the same time. It gets time. a little better. I mean, this is tracking the beginnings of the backlash against the sort of celebrity production machine. Um from the looks of things, the Britney backlash has been picking up speed. A website is devoted to tracking what appears to be the fluctuating size of her breasts. Two executives who have worked with Miss Spears say they were dismayed to see insinuations in the tabloids that she is facing a Mariah Carey-like emotional breakdown. God, that's yeah, just... The, the worst part about all this is... That, and I, I'll admit, I have not watched the entire Britney Spears documentary, mm-hmm. but um, they, they also seem... A little bit horny for her to have a Mariah Carey like emotional breakdown. You oh, know what I mean? Sure. It's like that's part of it. Part of it was watching, wanting to watch her fail. That was like 
That was the whole. I don't know. I feel like w- the 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 latest news cycle is this thing where we're all beating ourselves up for like you know supposedly wanting her to fail, but like really that was kind of just like a backlash at the uh, the kind of like machine of celebrity and so now it's like we're going back to the people who like ran that machine and they're uh-huh. like man wasn't the media terrible and it's like well you, yeah i you mean guys, it's very annoying to yeah. watch the media do the exact same thing and and pretend to not be culpable well, also then they're all. like interviewing all of her like managers and stuff and they're and they're like talking about these horrible interviews that she did and it was like didn't didn't you like schedule that interview like weren't you sitting in the next room while all that shit was going down like weren't you hand wringing and drooling as she was crying <laughs> yeah like you did that on purpose don't act like yeah. it was an accident yeah. yeah, it's not a good sign they already had a reference point for the type of meltdown referring to another <laughs> yeah. pop star. Yeah. I mean, that was what was most interesting to me is that they were using someone besides Britney Spears to describe, like, uh, you know, that kind of breakdown. Right, because w- once 07 hits, then it becomes a Britney Spears-style meltdown. She subsumed the... Mar- yeah, I mean, mm-hmm. definitely um, a lot of blame to go around. Um, and, yeah, most of it should be levied towards... Uh, yeah, the people who are you know responsible for her, and also yeah, just the media writ large. I think it's you know, um, I will say that you know, not that they're the biggest players in this, but there was that one paparazzi guy in the uh, in the documentary who yeah. just like, well, I thought she was kind of kidding or what? Like, okay, dude, like maybe you shouldn't have taken this interview. Like, what, what, what was the? Yeah, okay, come on, man. You know, well, it's uh, also it's like it's weird. That I think then and now everybody's kind of like, wait, that's legal. It's legal to just like hang out around somebody's house and like take pictures of it. and then and then we all have to act like it's a uh, well no if you just don't look at the pictures or buy the magazines like you wouldn't support those people and, exactly and we're kind of just like vote hey, with your dollar couldn't we just have like a law that said you know people are entitled to privacy and whatnot no fuck no. that we want to watch him burn no, we, <laughs> yeah. we, we learned our lesson from that movie with uh cole hauser where he murders tom sizemore and uh <laughs> one of the older baldwins uh when they i think it's just called paparazzi um, <laughs> yeah wait is that the one okay. that adrian grenier made uh ooh, I, <laughs> it might be i don't i don't i don't know i i know he had a real uh problem because he was trying to live in the moment i don't i'm trying to think of when that came, when did that when did that come out? I, I know, know Adrian um, Grenier produced some sort of paparazzi movie at some point about how bad they were. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just like yeah, they found like some of the greasiest guys they could find, kind of going. <laughs> and uh, no, that was a it was a Mel Gibson production, I think. Oh, this, uh, but it was oh four, so it was before Mel Gibson. We found out why he really hated sure. the press. I guess um, <laughs> the press. Um, another another thing that was happening. Uh, this was actually smack dab in the middle of the uh, DC sniper case. And, oh uh, right yeah so this was uh also from the new york times test length seventh victim to gun used in sniper spree so uh yeah he's uh killing killed seven people now and uh Crazy. They, don't, they don't know why okay so that that seals it for me i was trying to figure out which year of college this was <laughs> um uh or not not this episode but like just generally and yeah i, I had a I, I so during this time I had my appendix out like at some point before this or around this maybe, maybe right around when this episode came out so I was like laid up for a while but I was in DC so my parents were like coming down to protect me from the sniper and also <laughs> visit me at the hospital um strange time kind yeah. of a weird thing that you know we just kind of were like yeah well that happened oh all right they're yeah. in jail uh you know yeah some random guy Would might just say, shoot you uh, while you're getting gas would you say, uh, huh, what a time to be alive? I'm well, sorry. Yeah, I guess. I'm so I guess, sorry. I guess that's true. You wouldn't, if, wouldn't you, say that. if you exit the Zoom, I will understand completely. <laughs> uh, 
That um, counts as a plug. I'll take it. That's yeah. usually way better than I am at it. So yeah. that's that's good enough. Um, in lighter news, uh, this is from the post. You know, it's it's not quite something that we would remember, but I think it really says a lot about where we were at as a culture uh, in 2002. Uh, headline: Naked Twins Five Year Plan. Uh, and then the Jesus. article, and this is I'll just wait. Read. Wh- naked. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'll, go ahead. I'll read the entirety of the article. Uh, Lane and Kyle Carlson, the twins who typically show up wearing their birthday suits in the Abercrombie and Fitch catalog, have started dabbling in real estate. The Cutie Pie brothers have formed a real estate investment company called Double Take and plan to own at least five rental properties within five years, according to the Minneapolis Star Tribune. Okay, how old are these people? Like, what are we talking oh, babies here? We're getting to that. The 23 year olds have business degrees from Winona State University, and we hope they've learned the lesson that real estate requires keeping the rents coming in and not the clothes coming off. What the that fuck? famous lesson that we all know. <laughs> uh, I'm sure these, I mean, I'm sure if they did that uh, just a few years later, they were probably in great shape to weather the crisis in 2008. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. With their real estate bona fides. <laughs> I know that like you're, if you had a financial advisor in like 2007, he was saying, look, just get a mortgage. Just get a few of them going. Get those mm-hmm. properties to work for you. Yeah. The housing clothes bubble on. will never burst <laughs> To Keep your clothes on. Keep the rents That's coming what- in. That's what he'd be saying. That's right. And wear clean underwear. It's funny because, <laughs> yeah, because nowadays it'd be like, no, I would just keep the clothes coming off. Just start an OnlyFans. You'll make way more money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like th- th- those guys, I'm trying to think of what, like, the idea that that was even in the post, like, is weird to me. Like, that's, like, such a sub-level of celebrity, even for, like, a guy. That must have been a really slow news day, I guess, in, on the in the guy. Which is oh. weird because it's like, you know, uh, the Afghanistan war is happening and the ramp up <laughs> to the Iraq war is happening. And yeah. they're like, what's going on with these naked fuck boys? <laughs> well, this is page, I mean, this is page six, though, right? Right. So like, the, you know, they, they don't they don't concern themselves unless they just vaguely Cindy Adams says she's pro the war or something. That's about, yeah. that's about all you get in the gossip uh, area. But like <laughs> those guys would just be Vine guys or I guess TikTok guys. Now, yeah, right? yeah, they, yeah. They wouldn't They'd be, be TikTok doing guys. Uh, Abercrombie modeling or whatever. You just go straight to the, you know, straight to the I've hard never stuff. Really under- I've never understood sexualizing twins. Just uh, <laughs> like uh, what is I don't know. What does two of them have to do with it? It doesn't make it double sexy. It makes it weirder. There's incest involved. I just I, well, I'm you a are fan. a twin, so you have a weird perspective on this. That's true, but I have a twin sister, and if we were both naked on the you know selling Abercrombie and Fitch shit, you know, people I think people would be weirdly they'd be weirded out, and rightfully so. Whereas like you know if it's two hot chicks who are twins, everyone's like, oh that's sick. Uh, maybe they'll kiss, and it's like why? <laughs> why do you want them to kiss? They end up in a beer commercial. Yeah, Literally. right. Yeah, people are like, in the 90s, people really wanted to see twins fuck. All right, let's move on. <laughs> um, yeah, another an, other big stuff happening. The top movies uh, in the country at this point were, you know, a big favorite of Matt Lieb. Red Dragon was the number oh, one. Oh, hell yeah. You are privy to a great becoming. Mm-hmm. Hell Man- yeah. Mandy is a fool. Mandy is a fool. Ride with me. Uh, number 10. And then holdovers from last week, there's Sweet Home Alabama and The Tuxedo. Sick. Uh, top pop song, A Moment Like This by Kelly Clarkson. Mm-hmm. The, uh, <laughs> the, 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 I just I want to clarify my ook from before. It's, it's not Kelly Clarkson generally. I actually think she has a lot of really great songs. That was just like the American Idol snooze. Like she sure. just won, I guess, right? So, yeah. Like, yeah, that's just not a, that's not, not, that song's not for me. I, I, I love, uh, I even like Breakaway, which is definitely the same kind of uh, corny ballad, but I, I mean, don't like a moment like this. She's probably the best of the American Idols, right? 
You're forgetting yeah. uh, Taylor Hicks. Sure. Yeah, I was just gonna, yes, yeah. I think definitely. Yeah. Taylor Hicks was great because everyone said, <laughs> oh, fuck it. Give it to the old ugly guy. Well, that's right. That's It just became like an exercise in, let's see if we can get this weird act to win. And then it's like not marketable at all. Like, yeah. They're like, wasn't, oh, there, wasn't there like a like a Rick Astley type like who sang all Sinatra songs? And it's like, nobody's going to buy these records. Like, who, like, I'm sure Simon, I mean, obviously they have everybody under their thumb, you know, that's on the show. Right. Like if you go on the show, you're indebted to them or whatever, I'm sure. And you have, you sign a contract, but like, yeah, the person they want to push is not the, uh, 17 year old uh, redhead crooner, or you know, whatever. No, He's not uh, really gonna do it. What about yeah, Sanjaya? Just... <laughs> what happened? That, was, Wait, that was... was a bit, right? That was like Howard Stern was driving yeah. that one or something. Yeah. Right? It, well, it was Sanjaya was just someone who was terrible. He was like kind of he... bad. And I, I only remember it because I remember like there was this. Uh, really like New Yorky comedian that I would see at open mics in San Francisco. And he would always talk about Sanjay. Like, I just, I'm fucking pulling for this kid, you know, like this fucking Sanjay. I think it's real funny. I don't know. I don't know why he was like this really bro New York guy that would only talk about uh, Sanjay. Well, you know, a lot of mental illness in standup. That's <laughs> yeah, just part so, of it. So true. Uh, top rock song was never again by Nickelback. Hell Yeah. Good shit. Sure. I don't think I've ever even heard that song. Yeah, yeah I don't know it. Like I, I, the only Nickelback song that I that uh, I think I can think of off the top of my head is the "This Is How You Remind Me" one. Sure. Everything mm-hmm. else kind of just blends into one. No, I mean, I mean, they have you know, the "Someday" photograph. I'm, uh-huh. I'm not a big like. I think making like making fun of Nickelback as like a stand-in for like you know bad music is a very hack thing very in general. Hack. But yeah. like. I, I literally don't because I, I know I know the album that How You Remind Me is on came out on 9-11. I know that was one of the albums oh, that came out on that day. So this is a year later. <laughs> I guess this is like a later album, you know, cut that was a single. And if it was number one in rock, maybe it wasn't ever really like a big hit on the main chart. But I literally yeah. have never heard it. I can imagine here, what the structure is like, though. Here, here's you know, a little yeah, bit of yeah. They all sound like same. I could make an approximation. I could do a police sketch of the song. If you gave me an hour and a guitar with some fuzz on it, I would be like, it's probably this. Oh, you and guys can't get... hear my Spotify. Sorry. Damn. No, no, <laughs> no. Well. can't. He's uh, grooving. Yeah, anyway. Well, it's fine. There's some snare in there. So, yeah, that's the Remember When machine. <laughs> all right. Well, let's get into this episode. So, uh... You know, like Vince said, the uh, general synopsis is a uh, joke sparks a series of uh, hit contracts. Carmela, you know, also wants to be with Furio, blah, blah, blah. Very boring. So I would like to present to you the Bada B stories. Bow, wow, wow, yippee, yay, yippee, yo. Here's the Bada B story, Sopranos 404. Piss on my face, would you, Johnny? AJ visits Furio's house with his mommy. And here's a Ginny joke about your wifey that you might not get. I'll make you go repeat that shit. Sack's bark was loud, but his bite wasn't vicious. Genie's eating candy while pretending to eat nutritious. <laughs> Chrissy gets with the Atwell Avenue boys like, is he crazy? But they blind and old as fuck, so maybe. Boom. I did it. You I wish did. I had yeah. rap background to it. That's what it's called, rap yeah. background? Yeah. So, I mean, mm-hmm. I thought last episode was like a, a very special episode, but this one very much feels like a very special episode of The Sopranos. And Does I think, it? yeah, I, I don't know. Of the this season, I think this is the weak link by far, personally. Oh, yes. Yes. Let's. And I think there's a very, let's like, the. Get into it. I think the specific reason for that is like the reason I like The Sopranos is that they generally make every character seem terrible. Uh, mm-hmm. and yet like this one, like the main storylines is like how loving of a wife 
or uh, how loving of a husband uh, Johnny Sack is. Uh, yeah, and and yeah, it feels it feels like the when you're in a job interview and they ask you to you know criticize yourself or say something like like your biggest fault and you're like oh i just care too much like, i this care is, too much this is yeah. johnny sack being like I, I just care too much about my wife that's why i went yeah. a little crazy he's a wife guy he's the he's the pro, he's you know he's like the original wife guy yeah he's the first i love my fat talks. wife guy for sure <laughs> like that is that that is his you know he is yeah proto I don't, I don't that, that meme yeah, I don't. I don't think that guy who was like a social media consultant or whatever. I don't think he was ever going to murder anybody over somebody criticizing his wife. So uh, yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> I think he's top of the heap on that. Yeah. So I yeah. got the. Uh, I got a clip of you know the uh, sort of inciting event of uh, this episode. If we want to take a listen, you know the the uh, the big the big scene at the beginning. Let's do it. I think is this the, like how many episodes have started with someone attacking someone else, like the. The guy that yeah. um, what's his name April didn't he when he when he paralyzed oh, yeah, the guy yeah yeah Richie April did attack Beansy uh, I think that was the opening of that episode in season two so yeah it's another kind of like um, opening where you just see some random mob violence happening I and, do, uh, oh yeah and yeah. then uh, the the Mustang Mustang guy who like Mustang Sally Mustang Sally. Hit the guy with mm-hmm. the crowbar. I like when he started an episode with some random person getting maimed. Yeah, you know, in uh, screenwriting class, they call that uh, the inciting event on page three. Mm. I don't know if you guys ever know about screenwriting, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I feel I, like uh, I should. I was like a film major, and somehow, yeah, no, I never covered that one. I took an online class once, uh, so yeah, uh, yeah. I know a little bit. Was that you studying with uh, Robert McKee? I don't know who that He's is. He's the guy, the script guru uh, from Adaptation, who is a real guy. But, uh, you know. Oh, when, really? Yeah, when Charlie Kaufman is struggling adapting The Orchid Thief and he goes to the screenwriting seminar and he's like, mm. you know, what if, uh, you know, what if a movie, what if a script just, what if I write a story where nothing much happens like life? And then Robert McKee's like, nothing happens in life. <laughs> Every day. A nun gets murdered on the steps of a church. You know, that whole, that whole speech, you remember? I don't, but right. that sounds well, good, too. Here's the attack. I think that might have come... That, I mean, based on the timing of when Adaptation came out, uh, that might have been the next thing that, that uh, Brian Cox did after Super Troopers. It's, it's not impossible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Two great roles. Hey. Donnie, right? Sean, how you doing? <laughs> Tonight, not funny anymore? John, John, what the fuck? What do you do? Sorry, sack of shit. Come on, let me get you out of here. Come on, come on. Please. Scumbag? Let me buy you a drink. Just pissing on his face. I mean, let me buy you a drink is uh yeah, that's a good line. That's up there. Yeah, it's very especially good. when you're especially when you're presumably seeing red like Ferdinand the Bull, like which you know you have to assume he is at that point. That's impressive. That's uh, yeah. That was actually his gangster name was you know Ferdinand the Bull Sacrimony. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I'm misremembering Ferdinand. By the way, I think the whole thing with Ferdinand is that he doesn't get mad. Is that right? I think, I think that might be. 
<laughs> I never You're saw that one. I'd like to apologize to all the Ferdinand fans out there. That's, that's <laughs> all the all the Ferdistans. Yeah. 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 It, it's it's interesting. Like uh, the this really, opening too. You really get the Foley artists having fun again there. Like that whole Once scene. Again, I just think about ADR. all the sound guys. Just how much mm-hmm. fun they were having putting that together. Yeah. Just knocking. You know, hitting hams with crowbars and shit <laughs> like that. Just trying to get that perfect punch sound. Um, I, I I enjoy this opening. Well, first of all, let me let me just go more general here. Um, I completely agree with you that this episode is um probably the weakest link of the season so far. Which you know, apologies to Patrick for having you on in an episode that I personally almost forgot most of it. it, it it's like it's because it, I've rewatched The Sopranos, you know, maybe three four times or something like that and this had a lot of uh story that i kind of i kind of forgot like i remembered certain aspects of it you know genie and the joke and like all of the the all of the drama that it caused but uh in terms of just basically what happens in this episode i was like this is um this is bad it's it's (laughs) well because it ends with everything turning out okay Right. It ends with everything turning out okay. It's a lot of tension, no release. And for the most part, it's like, it's kind of just an episode about how um, when you hear a joke out of context, uh, it ruins the joke and it turns it offensive. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, it's yeah, an as, entire. As yeah. Joe Sinclitico's dad, our, our friend of the show, his dad's like a lawyer and he would always tell joe who's a comedian he's like you know there's nothing less funny than a joke being read out in court so (laughs) whatever you can do to avoid that in life yeah and uh it's it's kind of it's about how uh you know jokes are hurtful kind of (laughs) um it's also about you know i guess like weight double standards between men and women you know because like jenny is like ridiculed for her weight while tony continues to like stuff his fat fucking face this whole episode and uh and it's about you know like carm kind of just wanting to fuck furio and uh yeah i i it's always uh an impressive i don't know if impressive is the right word but whenever i see an episode like this i think about the writer like choosing to write this for an actress and then I think about what the conversation with the actress is going to be like, where the whole thing re- like revolves around like people making fun of her weight and and it being like a thing. I know. I thought about that too. I was like, God, this is, like I understand it's part of the job, and she's probably used to it, but that still sucks. To well, be here's like, the thing: okay. she was not an actress. She. Oh right. She answered. <laughs> she, was, she answered an open casting call in Harrison, New Jersey, in 2000. Mm-hmm. Had no previous acting experience. And they were like, you're just round enough to play a mob wife. Uh, I remember David Chase telling me about it at the Christmas party, Barino Quinn told the Home News Tribune. He said he wrote a whole episode about me and that I had a lot of work to do. A lot of work to do. Jeez, that's like a monkey's paw situation. <laughs> yeah. And it's this is going to revolve around you. It's going to revolve around, you know, well, don't worry about it. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's, it, the thing is that you're nice. Everyone's talking about how you know, like it's yeah. your husband loves you. I think no, right. the, I think the work that she had to do was shaving off her eyebrows and painting them on three inches higher. Yeah, no, that's that takes a lot of work. No, I, but so sorry that article watched, actually came from her obituary because uh, what? No. Yeah, she uh, she got married in 2005. Good for her. She got uh-huh. stomach stapling in 2007 and lost 175 pounds. 
Shit. Uh, and then she died of liver cancer seven months after her husband also died of liver cancer in 2010. What? Yeah. They both got liver cancer? Yep. Isn't that a rare cancer? Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's that I rare. Think it is. I think it's probably statistically unusual that a couple would both have it. I think that's probably that's sure. very strange. Unless they um, met in like, you know, like a liver support well, group yeah. of some kind. Yeah, that's true, too. Like yeah, that those, is possible. Like the basement of Fight Club situation kind of thing. Yeah, all the love that comes out of meeting at someone at Fight Club. No, you um, know how he goes to the support groups for all the cancer. No, no I get it. Yeah, right. <laughs> I was just um, trying to do a thing where I had to explain a joke because that's the theme of this episode. That's the theme of this episode. Yeah. It's explaining a joke. Um, so that opening scene uh, is is pretty good because of the uh, just the there's no real indication that Donnie and his friend are laughing specifically about uh, Johnny Sack's, uh, you know, rotund wife, but he just assumes they are because they are laughing. Well, it's also, it's also an illustration of shit rolling downhill. Like he knows that Ralphie's a made guy in a capo and he can't do anything to him, but some random guy that's part of Ralphie's crew, like that guy, you can kick the shit out of and no one can say anything about. And he's not even part of Ralphie's crew. Didn't it turn out that he's not? He just assumed he was because he was laughing. And no, no. He hanging. worked for Ralphie. That's oh, he why did he, work for Ralphie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty great. I, the next scene is uh, is that Johnny Sack comes home covered in blood uh, <laughs> on his uh, Burberry jacket and his fists. And uh, Jeannie meets him downstairs and goes, oh, my God, you're bleeding. And he goes, I fell, which is um, an obvious lie, maybe the most obvious lie. And then as soon as she's like, you're bleeding from your hand, he's like, I was breaking my fall. What's going on with you asking me about this stuff? But part of me is like, uh, you know, if you really loved her, you would tell her, oh, I beat the shit out of someone for you. Right. You know? Uh yeah, I feel like this is the interesting thing about this scene. And they, they do it a few times in The Sopranos. And I feel like. This is kind of one of the, uh, you know, I love the show, but I feel like this is kind of a fault of the show where they kind of make the bosses seem like tougher than they are. Because you look at Johnny Sack and you're like, that guy's not kicking the shit out of anybody. And I think, I mean, I I assume the idea was that like someone who's not a made guy would be afraid to like hit a made guy back. And so... right. But I don't know that they make that clear enough in the show. And you see it with Tony other times too, where he's like beating up these like younger like big dudes i don't know it always it always rings a little false to me i mean yeah you just have to assume that they know that the person is made and is high up and outranks them and that they because of that they're just like i'm just gonna allow myself to get beat up but i just don't see that as like i don't know it doesn't ring true to me because i feel like most of these guidos be like you know kicked a couple of times and then be like okay and then throw him halfway across the room because he's like a fucking old man who smokes like (laughs) there's there's no way that yeah yeah gandolfini is is like a house though like yeah no gandolfini makes a little bit more sense he's like a huge guy yeah yeah he's someone out of shape he probably couldn't run after you if you tried to run away for very long but like yeah i don't don't know how tall it's it's vincent curatola right is the is johnny sack is that the name yeah that's right he I don't know if he's a tall guy or not, but yeah, I mean, he certainly has puffed up since those days too. He's a judge on the good wife, which we were watching. (laughs) Oh, wow. He's (laughs) also, he's, you know, he's built like a bowling pin and he's got the hair that looks like the back of a duck. Um, and, (laughs) 
and uh, and he wears the jackets where he doesn't, or he wears like the pullovers where he doesn't put his sleeves or he doesn't put his arms through the sleeves, and like mm-hmm. all of those three things combined make me think like this guy's not throwing any punches by him uh, on his own. Yeah, I mean, you know, again, you have to suspend a little bit of disbelief, but um, it's fair enough. I, I'm like, yeah. okay, I believe that someone wouldn't fight back, not fight back yeah. to the point of being hospitalized. I don't know about uh, yeah, all that. Yeah, I feel but... like they could like make they could make that a little clearer in those scenes, is all. For sure. Um, so then uh, next we get into I think Carmen Furio's. Uh, story um well first it's carm is getting investment advice from her cousin brian um and tony being completely uninterested in what's going on there and uh you know i gotta mirror tony's reaction yeah same completely uninterested (laughs) yeah and and it sucks because like i i feel for carm like this season especially you really get to see edie falco become uh like far and away the best actress uh, the best actor on um on the sopranos like she's really um fantastic but uh but as per her character i'm not uh i'm not interested in her money worries either that's such like a classic husband uh thing because you know like i just got married this past year and you do like get in situations where you end up having to like talk about finances and uh yeah i'm kind of with tony like i can't imagine anything more fucking boring than like talking about like trusts and life insurance and shit like it just every time i know you have things you have to do but it does it makes me want to blow my brains out as well so i get it <laughs> i mean well, the just, guy's framing it the wrong way right i mean he he's he probably doesn't really he's not officially aware of of what um Maybe he's not read into the mob thing. You know, it's not clear always who knows exactly what's going on or who's it's comfortable talking about what's going on. But like the way to pitch a mob guy on stuff like that is here's where you put your money so no one can take it away. Here's where right. you put your money. So, you know, stuff like that. You yeah. know, you will you, you, you give it over to your wife, you know, although that's not a good idea, obviously, with Tony and Carmela. But like, you know, like and this way, you have to, even if the feds come, they can't, you know, seize it or, you know, that kind of that, you know, and that's. But this guy's clearly just like a young goon who just got out of college or whatever. That actor, by the way, also on The Good Wife. Just want to point oh, that out. Man. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's a good a wife of Palooza sopran- this episode. Yeah. yeah a lot of so I th- I feel like the- veterans on The Good Wife. I need to check out this Good Wife show. He's only in a, he's only in a couple episodes. He's a, I mean, he's a, he's a highway cop who arrests uh, Juliana Margulies' son for uh, pot possession. And then he has to, yeah, so that's, oh, that's his, can, that's can his we- arc. Sorry, can we? Can I stop for one second? I gotta go yell up, bring my dogs inside because they're driving me fucking crazy. Sorry, okay. One second. <laughs> Podcast. So yeah, like I wanted to. I was curious about both of your general thoughts on this uh, Carmela Furio love intro, love angle here. I I mean I I think it's the uh, it's the thing about Sopranos that I really enjoy, which is like kind of bringing in the uh, it's a mixture of the the mafia life and the suburban life. And this is very much like both meeting at the exact same time. You know, it's like it's a very suburban uh, thing to just be in love with a, a random hot like <laughs> younger italian man uh-huh. you know it's like it's almost uh soap opera ish and uh like it could be a subplot of days of our lives or a subplot of big big little lies you know what i mean mm-hmm. i enjoy it i especially enjoy the sexual tension of it because it just reads as so real because fucking again Edie falco is 
just an incredibly gifted actor. So like you really feel how fucking thirsty she is, <laughs> you know? So I, I'm a, I'm a big fan of watching it kind of like grow as, uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I think when I, when I first watched this, especially, I mean, I haven't done like a full rewatch or anything and obviously I matured as the show went on. So, but you know, but like, I definitely was somebody who would be like, this is supposed to be a gangster show. Come on. Like, what, what is this? You know, that, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. You know, like, we're like, not like, where's Tony at all times, but kind of where's Tony at all times. You know, where's at least one of the guys from the, you know, and like, like also just like making, you know, Furio like not do like beat people up or whatever was not right. like my, you know, but like watching it now and even watching this, like, I mean, this is a later scene, but like that story he tells about me working in the olive, you know, uh, place, <laughs> yeah. like, it's beautiful. And it's like, and, and the acting is so I, good that like you, you see like in Carmela that she's like, like knocked over, you know, that she like completely wishes <laughs> that Tony had that kind of depth about anything, you know what I mean? Or at least shared it if he had it. And that, you know, like just that, like, I don't know. There's something that's very, um, yeah, I've, I've, appre- I come to appreciate a lot differently. Um, when I wasn't somebody who was, you know, uh, eating 8,000 calories a week and uh, drinking 4,000 calories a week in college or whatever, you know, and just being a complete moron for four years. I got, yeah. uh, I got a clip of that. One time, back in Naples, I work in the garden as a landscaper for a very rich man. Just me, I work there alone, growing olives. My hands in the dirt, the hot sun. I was never so happy in my life as when I work at that place. Sometimes I get the smell of olives in the restaurant and the store, maybe. It makes me very sad. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, so is, I is love he this. Doing, um, I ahead. love this plot line for Carmela, but I don't know. I feel like there's part of me that I am still like the dumb uh, guy. It's not that I want. Sil- or, uh, Furio to beat people up but I think what I've always enjoyed about uh, Furio is that he is like the contrast where he, he is like this earthy like sensitive guy who wants to like dance with the women and then but then like I always like when he just turns on a dime where he like he's very thoughtful and then like mm-hmm. in last episode you know he's thoughtful like oh no isn't uh, Columbus the hero of America and then he's like but you know being from uh naples we hate it you know he immediately like goes hard like he snaps and that's i feel like that's such a great thing about him and like this episode like you don't get like the part of furio where he's very uh excitable like he kind of right you don't see the sociopath in this you just kind of see you just see the idealized like italian lover in this right there's the romantic idealized italian lover Uh, but part of me also goes like he knows what the fuck he's doing, right? Sure, like he's yeah. he's kind of on some fuckboy shit where he knows because he's he he likes um, Carmela, I think just as much as Carmela likes him. Oh, so I don't know. I feel like he is he's telling the story about like I work with my hands in the garden. Like he's like <laughs> yeah. you know he's he's trying to you know get that pussy wet, and I feel like that's fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I just like. I maybe it's my need to ascribe like some sort of like sociopathic. Well, again, uh, it's the thing I yeah, it's the thing I said about this entire episode, which is that uh, you know a lot of these characters don't 
come off looking venal and shitty like they do in every other episode like you could leave this episode thinking yeah. like oh johnny Sachs is a really good guy oh right. silvio's a really yeah. good guy like oh yeah you know even tony comes off looking pretty good in this episode which is uh you know odd the, the thing the thing about Fiora that I, I i think is great is that he's like all these guys in jersey especially like in new york but in jersey like this this like reflection of what the mafia is in new jersey is like you know, a bunch of guys driving around in Cadillacs or whatever, you know, like in, in Naples, like these are terrifying people. <laughs> right. Like, exactly. He's, he's like, <laughs> yeah. he's like the real guy you yeah. know, and they bring him over and like, he's like a huge asset for like what you, you know, in terms of that kind of thing. But like, they look at him at the party and he's dancing like, look at this, what a, you know, come on. And it's yeah. like, no, this is like the scariest person you've ever met. In your life. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's got like this, just because he has more than one side to him. Cause he has a little bit more of, he's not just like a, you know, Goomba guy from, you know, from, uh, from Jersey. Like it's, it is just, a, I think it's a fascinating thing about him. And also, like, the shirts are just outrageous. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. But I, he's killing it. But I think you hit the like nail. The, it looks like The Rock. Yeah. <laughs> it looks like <laughs> From the, that era. It looks like the, you know, the ceiling of a fucking Italian church or something. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I think you hit the nail on the head with, with why I like Furio is, which is, like, you know, on the one hand, he's, like, this old world guy who's sensitive in these ways but he's also like yeah a stone cold like he's definitely the most psychotic killer out of all of these people and i think that's Mm -hmm. what makes him such a great character but uh yeah in this in this episode you really only see like the the one facet of furio the future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly but then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about that's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Yeah, and it's it, you know it the, the purpose that it serves is purely just for Carm's sake. It's not really for Furio's sake so much, you know, like because you, the viewer, know his darker side. So rather than having you, they don't need to remind you that sure. he's like a fucking stone cold killer. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, there is, I understand, like looking at it and being like, oh, what happened to when he used to punch? You know, fucking old ladies in the face just to get money. You know, but uh, I just I like I like the small reminders that everyone's a piece of shit, which The Sopranos usually does not go an entire episode without reminding you. But I feel like yeah. this is one of their rare episodes where they don't really remind you how big a piece of shit everyone is. I mean, it's there, but yeah, yeah, you're, you're basically you're metaphorically you're AJ in that scene. 
Yeah, yeah. you are. Yeah. I'm so bored I could cry. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the most relatable thing. There's a few things in The Sopranos that are like that where they describe what feeling they're having and uh, and how close it is to bringing them to tears. You know, uh, like... Uh, I think Tony at one point is like said, I'm so depressed. I can, I, I can't even think straight. You know, I, I'm so bored. I could cry. I'm like, yeah, I felt all of these things before. So, uh, so Carm brings over AJ to Furio's place <laughs> when uh, she wants to like, uh, she wants to show him some detail about like zoning law, some boring shit. I mean, it's just an excuse to go over there, but brings AJ along, I think. And, and I'm trying to, to just, you know, pro- pro- probe you guys about why you think AJ oh, was brought along. He brought him there to keep up appearances. Like, she knew it would be weird if she went over to Furio's house alone. But, yeah. you know, she brought AJ so that it looked like a work call, you know? It just seems like you're inviting disaster. And, you know, whether or not this disaster, like, comes to fruition doesn't really... Uh, you know, it doesn't materialize, but like part of me was like, you know, AJ is a fucking blabbermouth, right? Like this <laughs> right. idiot, like as soon as like, oh, we were just in the neighborhood. He's like, no, we weren't. It's like <laughs> fucking this dude, this dude is not good at like, like if you're trying to have a side piece, like I wouldn't, I would not invite AJ along. That's all I'm right. saying. It's not, and it's not even that he's trying to mess with her. He's just like, oh, she's wrong. I have to say she's wrong. Like he's just, yeah. an, he's just a little pain in the ass. Like it's, it's not even like he's trying to stir anything up. It's just, yeah. Just yeah, no, he, born twat blocker. He is. He is. He's just trying to twat block. And I don't even think he knows that yet because he's still kind of stupid. Uh, but, <laughs> oh, no, uh, he doesn't know at all. He doesn't care. No. Yeah. All, uh, he's just really, really mad that he has to go, that he had a responsibility to like hang out with his mom for a second. Um, but yeah, uh, so the Furio and Carmela stuff kind of wraps up with like, they're dancing at his housewarming party. That uh, music is playing, uh, just Italian music. Uh, and- Man, it, it, the, I, I, the thing that struck me with that music was, you know, it was. I, I, I said this to to Whitney, my girlfriend at the time. It was like, it, it's so Italian that it like almost <laughs> is like Middle Eastern. It's yeah. like confusing. Right. Yes, well, it's, it's like way out there. Yeah, yeah. Like fr- from a from a like. It's not what you think of because again, it's Italy Italian and not like you know when you're not Italian like, oh, American like a mob party. You yeah, know, they're not like, talking about you know moons hitting eyes well, or also, pieces of pies. What is this shit? He's Sicilian, so like Sicily is right. you know right. culturally like as much North African as as it is you know North Northern European. Like it's pretty yeah, it's pretty close. Yeah, like there's a lot of. Uh, but yeah, it is it is the exact kind of thing where you listen to it and all these. Italian Americans would be like, "Oh shit, is that what?" <laughs> like yeah, this is this sounds like, so what foreign. Is this garbage, yeah. and it's like it's actual <laughs> Italian music, and they're like, "I don't like it." Put on, <laughs> yeah, put on some Bing Crosby. Is Bing Crosby <laughs> Italian? I don't know why I added that. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I'll used just to, say Dean Martin. Then it used to end in an I, and he changed it. But yeah, so this the the episode ends with the karm storyline and it is a it's a strange ending and we're i'm not ending this is this is just to end her storyline not to end the rest of the podcast but um the final final episode of the podcast the final episode of the podcast we're done after this because we hated it so much no uh the it ends with you know 
Carm is surprised by a gift from Saks Fifth, Saks Fifth Avenue that uh, Tony gets her, and they try it on, and it's all just a means to fuck her. Which and, fair by, enough. By the way, like uh, the by far the most uncomfortable scenes to me in all of The Sopranos is when Tony and Carmela are actually like enjoying each other and and having sex. I hate yes, I yeah. hate watching them have sex. It's gross. Yeah, <laughs> it is. It's kind of like watching. Your parents have sex, yeah. Uh, which I, I think is like I think it's part of it. I think that's you know it's supposed to. I think it's because we just as you know uh, media consumers are not used to seeing two middle aged people fuck, and uh, so when we watch it, we're like, oh, they're not supposed to do. Well, that. I think it's that's, also because oh. it's it's so they're so clearly going through the motions. Like it's not um, mm. it's not like a hot lust fuck. It's like these people have been have been together for thirty years and they're really just like going through the motions to pretend that there's still mm-hmm. something there. Right. But what's strange is it ends with a false ending. That's a bit. Uh, and the bit is you hear the same Italian, you know, uh, song that played at the party. Um, it, it, it fades in as they begin having sex and you kind of think, okay, this is the ending, you know, Sopranos ends with music and then they fade out. And then she's like, stop, I can't. And then they tell Meadow to turn down the music because it turns out it is music that's within the reality of the show, which is like a kind of a funny bit, but I'm not really sure what the point of it well, was. The especially point, the point is the both, of, both of those kids are cock blockers. That's true. The kids in general are cock blocking. But like, especially given the fact that as soon as they turn the music down, uh, and they start having sex. Then the show plays music, and it's more of that, like you know, uh, ethnically southern Italian music again. Uh, and they're playing a song Vesuvio, which a uh, little trivia there. Um, <laughs> mm. But uh, yeah, it, it just to me, like I don't know, man. This the the whole episode uh, just threw me off a little bit. It was uh, it just felt I don't know stitched together from scraps of yeah there's like there's a lot of weird storylines and some of them are more um effective than others uh i did enjoy it's very it's it it it, it, it's sort of halfway done but i enjoyed the weird meadow storyline with the uh the law center i i have a clip of it and just like the first line of her describing the law center like almost made me spit out my drink so i gotta give him credit (laughs) for for that one of course, some people will tell you college only serves to show grad schools who managed to show up somewhere four years in a row. But so first of all, like oh man, just talk about like the most insufferable college uh, thing that you could ever say to a person. Like oh yeah, this is all just this is all just like an audition for grad school. You know, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Volunteering at the law center actually allows you to make a difference. Last year, with our help. Over half a dozen crack babies reunited with their natural mothers, several of whom are now in recovery. Eventually, with the help of ACLU attorneys, you'll be filing court papers and helping with legal research. There's a sign-up sheet and some flyers if you're interested. Thanks. That is like the perfect uh, college person um, charity work where they like, you're still insulting the people that you do charity work. They're they're still crack babies, (laughs) but it's like... 
Well, I'm not going to ditch the imagery of crack baby, just so you know. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's clearly a euphemism for, I mean, you know, there, are they all, they were all crack babies? It's like, no, you know what I mean. Like, indigent black babies is yeah, like, it's like what she was saying. But she, <laughs> she was just like, you know crack babies it's, it's so it's like one uh, of those phrases that you're it, like theoretically it's not offensive but then you hear it and you're like oh did you just did you just say that with the hard c Ooh, yeah like, there <laughs> is it, i had the same reaction where it's just i just hadn't heard the phrase crack baby in so long yeah. that as soon as she said it i was like oh why would you, you say that you, you know what it reminded me of the other day i was uh, you know i was at the coffee shop and there's like this outdoor area where i you know do my stupid blogging bullshit uh-huh. um and uh and these cops were sitting down next to me kind of near me near enough to me where i could hear their conversation um and uh and they're doing the cop thing where they refer to everything as like a vehicle and every you know every you know they were they're like constantly using big words to right yeah that ascertain yeah i would like to ascertain one cup of coffee please yeah I have to, i'm gonna get out of my vehicle and i need to ascertain a cup of coffee and but in the midst of that i heard the guy <laughs> use the word not, it's like guys you're, you're not lying to a judge to get a warrant okay yeah so right they're, they're talking to each other and it was like i know that's so drilled into you but it makes you sound not only really dumb but also super full of shit so like maybe mm-hmm. you don't want to do that anymore um yeah. Anyway, so, but in the midst of that, I heard the guy use the word tweaker like six times, which is really funny to me because he's like being all clinical and he's like, you know, I got out of the vehicle to ascertain what was happening with the perpetrators and obviously one of them was a tweaker. So blah, blah, blah. (laughs) That's offensive to all tweaker Americans. Yeah, but it's the the same kind of word as like crack baby where that's the only, that's the kind of word that you really only hear like a, a cop say. Yeah, right, 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 right. Um, yeah, so this is uh, it's a interesting storyline. I I I feel like I did want more of both Meadow's storyline and I was interested in uh what is it? Saskia? Yeah. Saskia so Sas- Kupferberg. Yeah, so Saskia happens to be Elliot um which is uh, Melfi's therapist's daughter. Uh, so I like Saskia, but I feel like in order to introduce Saskia, they, that we needed this whole Elliot sub, uh, plot line. And yeah, for one thing, like it, I don't care. And for another, like it didn't make a ton of sense to me. Yeah. Or a difference to the story. I mean, honestly, the Melfi storyline in this is baffling, baffling. (laughs) I have no idea why it exists. So Melfi is complaining to Elliot that his that her son Jason is just kind of losing it in his last semester at college and you know is thinking about dropping out and uh, then they bring up Saskia you know is your daughter seems to be having you know doing fine and whatnot and then we find out that this woman um, who is at the head of the law center or trying to recruit for it is Saskia and you're like oh okay so this is uh, there's a connection there. But the entire storyline about Jason, I could give a shit about fucking Jason. What, also, are they, yeah. what, what is the point of that story? Well, it leads into the weird parking garage scene between Elliot and Tony, which doesn't, it's kind of just a head scratcher to me. It's just another <laughs> postmortem on the sexual assault episode from last season, which. And the button I, is, you know, anything can happen in a parking garage. Is that what the fucking. What, what the fuck Honestly, was that? I don't know. I, yeah. I couldn't tell you why it existed. Any ideas, Patrick? I thought it was nice, like, 
to to show how out of touch that uh, Elliot was, where he's like, he's probably like a tradesman of some kind or whatever. It's oh, like, that really? was great. <laughs> yeah, like you know, like, like I thought that was pretty good. That obviously yeah. was not the main thrust of it, but just like you start to realize, like, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't remember it that well, but I remember not thinking that this guy really added too much to her, like as a therapist. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, he doesn't really seem like he's really. Um, you know, because she's kind of already analyzing herself out loud a little bit, and he right. just kind of like chimes in, and it's like, "What are you paying this guy?" I mean, I guess yeah. you, have, you know, like you believe in therapy as a thing if you're a therapist, obviously. You know, it's kind of your whole deal. But like, yeah, he doesn't seem like he's adding a whole lot. Um, no, he doesn't add much to it at all. I mean, usually his role in in whatever episode he's in um, is mostly to kind of get um, Melfi's reactions to kind of the things she's witnessing with tony and in her own life and it's like it's sometimes it's good sometimes it's bad but this was like this just seemed like a random post-mortem on the on the sexual assault thing which he he also uh he also uses this word during therapy canahora canahora yeah what the fuck is that um i don't actually know i heard as soon as he said it uh i i was like uh oh it's uh it's yiddish but uh is that like knock on wood or that that's kind of the in the context that he said it that's kind of what i assumed it was um it appears but, that way it appears, yeah it looks like it means no evil eye just googling it quickly yeah huh. yeah and and it's it's something that i actually hadn't heard before but you know when you so just wait, hear yiddish has yiddish? evil eye too oh all the cultures have evil eye. all right the jews have evil eye the italians have the maloich mm-hmm. uh what what a, patrick what do the irish have in terms of evil eye? <laughs> um i'm not i don't think we I, evil eye was new to me so uh, yeah I don't know okay. if we have a specific eye it's, it's probably something to do with uh you know, uh, it's going to be involving some kind of death or, or despair. Or yeah, it's the eye on the potato that tells you if you got the you got the potato blight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How dare you, Vince? You can't you can't just do. I'm sorry, oh, I sorry. do that accent all the time. Um, but uh, yeah, but I I have to admit, like I love the way that Sopranos does um, upper middle class and rich uh, intellectuals and whatnot. So like you kind of want to you wanted more. Saskia, they because, get they get in yeah. early on shitting on like the neoliberal uh, managerial class, which I really yeah, appreciate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They were they were kind of like yeah they they, they were doing uh, PMC critiques before it was cool for sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah. Uh. The, a great scene that does happen though is the uh, scene between Meadow and uh, I forget the name. Uh, was it Rahima? The name mm-hmm. of her, uh, the person who she was going to help at the law office, uh, who was uh, speaking of Britney Spears, was telling a story about uh, someone who was uh, beaten with sticks because they had a, a picture of uh, Britney Spears in their wallet. And uh, and then Tony comes in uh, and introduces himself, whatnot. Rahima leaves and grills meadow about her new choice to get into law which uh which uh, was it was interesting to me because it's like well if this is your daughter you know whether or not she becomes a pediatrician or a lawyer like who the fuck cares like, right you don't want a lawyer in the family but uh it was well, i think he, he wants to make sure she's not in law enforcement you know he, uh, he doesn't want her to be a lawyer that helps people you know yeah. or anything like that <laughs> 
he wants to make, you know, if you're going to be a lawyer, I want you to be a lawyer who gets rich and ideally mm-hmm. one who can help me kind of, I think is probably right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's my, why I was glad between, between Elliot seeing him in the garage and thinking he was like a, you know, a plumber or something. And, <laughs> but, but he was other, some sort of Italian plumber or something. Yeah. He was a like, Mario brother. Like I was, I was worried as this episode went on that I wasn't going to get like the sort of like classic Tony stuff. And, yeah. and I was, I was naive in thinking that because like we got, first of all, we already talked about it or you already talked about it. I didn't really chime in too much, but a, a, a symphony of the breathing in the sex scene at the end. We got all the breathing, like all of it, yeah. which yeah. is fantastic. The greatest nostril and actor of our times. Just mm-hmm. amazing. Just true alpha stuff. Just nose whistling, <laughs> you know, uh, really powerful. Very and, powerful. And then the other thing that he, that is, is the, in a, in a trench coat, just blissfully walking around the dorm with a box of Krispy Kremes with eating one of them. Like he got her a dozen or whatever, and he's eating one. Like he's taking one before he gets Hey, had to wet his beak a little bit. <laughs> Which is just such a, it's such a perfect image. And he's got that blissful smile on his face. Yeah. He's kind of wandering around like, oh, what do, what do we got? How did he get in the dorm? How did he get in there? Like you can't just walk into college. <laughs> yeah, in, New, in New York City after 9-11? Like you can't no just way. walk in. Yeah. You need a key at least. It's like, do you go here? It's like, it's like well, what does it look like? You know what I mean? Like, but, uh, but I just, yeah, I, I just love that image. That was enough for me to justify because I'm very, um, I'm very skeptical of on prestige drama type yeah. stuff. Anything to do with the children because I just don't fucking care usually. Right. I, mm-hmm. I, I just generally don't. Like, I, I, you know, and that's my big swear, I guess. So sorry about that. But that's what I feel the strongest about, apparently, on this entire episode. Is, oh, you can uh, no. swear as much as you want. Oh, okay. Just making sure. This is no, an R-rated I, show. This is TVMA. This is a prestige podcast. Yeah. I, I cannot. I, I just, I, I generally, like, and it's got to be good for me to really give a shit at all about yeah. what's going on with the teenage kids or whatever. You know, like, so, you know, her getting into a new hobby or whatever, it's like, eh, I don't, I already, I'm, my eyes are rolling out of my head. But right. yeah, him walking in. <laughs> I don't, you know, and it, like you want a donut, you know, to the, and, you know like, perfect. Yeah, but at the same time, this episode's like asking us to care about Melfi's off-screen son, and it's like, okay, that's yeah, that's <laughs> like strange. three bridges too far. But yeah, I do love that uh, in his like kind of inquisition of Meadow's choice to uh, get involved in the law center. Um, he needs to point out, like, hey, just whatever you do, don't be taken in by these. Uh, what he's, <laughs> he's his malapropism is uh, indigenous types. I think he meant indigent, <laughs> and and <laughs> and he's like, you know, uh, basically saying the thing about you know most of these uh, poor people who ask for help from the law is that they're all bilking you, you know, and uh, and then she's like, you know, this isn't all about you, and he's like, this is all revenge for how I treated uh, Noel. Which he also, the fact that he gets uh, Meadows' ex-boyfriend's name wrong uh, was just, it was just, uh, it was this the cherry is the, uh, the guy that he referred to as a, as a uh, barbecue accessory, correct? That this yes. Is the guy? Yeah. Okay. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Hasidic his, homeboy. Yeah, it was uh, his, her black Jewish ex-boyfriend who he met and first things first did a bunch of racism to. Yeah. And, uh and is uh, mad at Meadow for wanting to uh, get into law to, I don't know, piss him off. I don't know how it could piss him off, but for with Tony, you're like, yeah, I could see it. Tony is, uh, he's he's skeptical, but um, yeah. So so this that's, whole that's, yeah, this whole episode wraps up with, you know, the the beef 
is Johnny Sack is pissed at Ralphie. Yeah. And uh, he asks for a sit down and he demands satisfaction and Carmine's like, hey, you got to get the fuck over it or, you know, name an amount or get the fuck over it. And then, you know, uh, Carmine basically tells Tony to whack Johnny Sack. It's a whack sack. Um, but he does, because he, he, does, he does it the coward's way, which is that you you give the nod, as they say. Well, that's 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 the mafia way, dude. No one ever says, hey, I'm going to need you to kill this man. No, yeah, they do. <laughs> they do that if they are, uh, you know, okay with you doing it. Whereas, like... Not as, over the phone. As Tony said, he wanted plausible deniability so that if, you know, so nothing would ever come back on him. Not from the right. cops, but just from his own New from New York crew. Right. right just lo- love love to have that kind of trusting relationship with people in your business where it's like oh i didn't tell them to hang on whoa what oh all right you know uh, that's the yeah, way i, I feel say- like all my bosses have, have treated me <laughs> just constant ass just constant ass covering yeah i mean that's i mean it's true it, it, is, it is i love in movies in movies and tv shows where like it's some fantastical thing but then you get like the you know middle management like hassle you know as part of like the part of like in um uh, like in Rogue One with um Mendelssohn, where he's just like he's like getting yelled at from two different angles, and then like Grand Moff Tarkin takes credit for the Death Star. It's like, come on, like, I, 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 what you, like, yeah, that's just it's like office shit, you know, which is which is funny yeah. in that context. It's kind of like that. Oh, the mob's all corporate politics. That's what's great about it. Um, yeah. So then, uh, you know, Johnny Sack decides that he loves his wife and doesn't care, and uh, and decides to call the whole thing off, like mid. Well, y- yeah, it's this weird kind of anticlimax because like uh I had kind of forgotten that there were this there was a storyline where there's simultaneous simultaneous hits being called on both Ralphie by Johnny Sack and Johnny by Carmine. So I it was confusing for me because it's like, oh yeah, that's right. This is a whole thing that's about to just peter out. I like did, nothing yeah, nothing happens I did, with I, it. I did sort of enjoy the interlude of the inbred weird assassins in Rhode Island because I feel like Oh, Yes. I feel like gangster movies always sort of romanticize like the murder ink, like the people in the mob whose thing was murdering people. They seem like they always, they go out of their way to make those people look super cool. And, uh, the Sopranos was like, Oh no, if like those guys are real, if your thing was like murdering people, that would, that meant you were like a real fucking weird. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So we, this is our first and I believe only time we get to meet the Atwell Avenue boys. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> who um, are the ones who are being hired to kill Johnny Sack when he heads up to Boston. Who... I got a little clip of that if you want to oh, hear. Oh, you do? Yeah. Good. It was a guy once, Tommy Nery. Got him coming home from the track one night. Caught him good with a tire iron. When he woke up, I held him down while Frank cut his head off with a hacksaw. Silent as a mouse pissing on cotton. If you like, we could arrange to have that same thing happen again. I don't know that we need to be that uh, overstated. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. They're like, well, we have... uh Many other options on the menu. <laughs> I like we the idea. We could cut his balls off and shove it down his throat. 
<laughs> we could uh, put hot wax on his eyes and then push him down the stairs. Like, it's just <laughs> <Yeah>. like... <laughs> I, I like the fact that both of these guys are both clearly on death's door, but like their greatest joy in life is reminiscing about past yeah. murders. <laughs> Recounting the murders that they did and just being like, you know what would be great? My bucket list is doing that again. Like that, <laughs> These guys are fucking... They're very creepy, and it's a very funny scene because... Uh, I mean, Syl and Chrissy are the ones who go over, and they are clearly, you know, they're the conduits for the audience. You know, we get kind of like, they feel the way we feel watching it, and just like <laughs> watching Chrissy, as soon as they leave, he looks back at one of them, and the, the, the guy does finger guns at him, <laughs> and he just like puts his sunglasses on and like scratches the back of his head and leaves. It's like fantastic, like nonverbal, just like body acting, just mm beautiful chef's kiss so the so yeah johnny sack decides to call off the hit when he uh leaves his home but forgets something he drives back and he sees jenny sack uh genie sack uh in the basement uh shoving a bunch of candy into her mouth and um and they have this very sweet scene where he just says uh you know i i never asked you to be thin for me and it's weird because he goes from like zero to 60 in sweetness. Like he, he does a 180 completely in his mindset. First, he's yelling at her like, do you know what you've done? <laughs> and then he's like, I love you, which is like a weird. It's You know what you've done? You've yeah. reminded me that I love you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and then he—I guess he doesn't go to Boston, and that's the only reason the hit doesn't happen, right? Yeah, like is that like it's weird because like the other ones at least called off, but like right, <laughs> it's sort of a dangling thread where it's like, all right, I guess I mean I hope he never goes to Boston because the, these guys are you know, yeah. lying in wait somewhere. Um, I, you know, maybe or maybe they just off screen called mm-hmm. them and were like, yeah, we're good. It's like no, it's like we'll do it for free if you want, you know. Or whatever, <laughs> but, um, uh, we're and that's the thing there's there's a you you meet a few different hitmen you meet the atwell avenue boys but you also meet uh this asian guy who is in the elevator who's right about to kill ralphie and then gets the call right then that they're calling it off and uh that to me is probably the most menacing scene um you know in the episode is just like watching ralphie you know, and the, the, Ralphie never looks more, I think, uh, vulnerable and helpless than when he is in a robe, uh, you know, having <laughs> and, and flip flops having just come out of a pool and just kind <laughs> of being stared at by a fucking young, muscly Asian dude who, you know, is strapped and is like ready to fucking murder him. Um, and so, yeah, that was, uh, you know, uh, all the tension just kind of uh, just gone. Right. But, uh, yeah. All in all, you know, the the episode just kind of ends with the, you know, the fact that everyone saves themselves. Ralphie <laughs> is saved. Johnny is saved. Yeah, their own better Nothing nature saves them because obviously that's what you want to happen in a Sopranos episode. It's- it's as close to farce as this show gets. It's like Fra- it's like Sopranos Frasier, where it's like they bought the wrong sherry or something, but instead it's they called in hits that they probably shouldn't have called in or something. Right. It's very, yeah. Uh, yeah. But, uh, yeah. And, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, all in all, it's probably, yeah, the worst Sopranos episode in, uh, you know, <laughs> fucking in this season. So I would say solid B+. Yeah. That's that's my rating, solid B plus. 
Patrick, on a scale of um, B plus to B plus, what would you rate this episode? Yeah, I was gonna say I don't I don't have a, I haven't been rewatching or anything, so I don't have a lot to go off of. Uh, I I enjoyed it, but it's my first time back uh, with the gang in a while. Um, I, I yeah, I'd say B plus. I had fun, you know, <laughs> and, and it's weird because the the Ginny Sack joke is something that I remember. This is before I was watching it when this aired. Like I was aware of this plot line, even though it ends up being kind of inconsequential. Yeah, like. It was like, that was like a water cooler thing for some reason. Like right. That, yeah. You know, like that, like that, that plot line, even though it ended up being a big nothing. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I had it, the same memory. Yeah. It is, yeah. it's, it is, uh, something that kind of lives on in the lore, uh, 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 of the show. You know, you kind of like, you remember this incident with the joke. Um, and even though it's kind of anticlimactic in this episode, it is still, you know, it, it, it this episode still has its moments that I like. And if we're doing favorite, least favorite, I have to say that my favorite scene is Johnny Sack trying to order a hit on um, on Ralphie and Carmine being like, no, I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? It's like he did a he dishonored my wife. Yeah, right. Yeah. No, I actually I think I have a clip of that. Fucking kidding me. Violated my wife's honor. Ralph slept with Jenny. He insulted her. He made a very insensitive joke about her body to some friends of ours. What did he say? After repeating, that word's not good enough? Not if you want him clipped over it. He said she was having a 90-pound mole removed from her ass. The implication was that her ass is so big she could have a mole that size removed from it. (laughs) (laughs) I just I love I love having to explain the joke. Yeah, it's like it's like the worst part of it is that he has to live with the indignity of not only telling the joke to people, repeating the awful slur on his wife, but then explaining why it was bad is just I just love it so so much. Um, it's 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 such a funny thing. Every time he retells it, it um. He like you can there are there's different degrees of people trying not to laugh or like maybe not understanding what the joke is at all, like Carmine, but like yeah. Tony, we know has already heard it, or at least we later find out. Like he was there when he said it and right, like, you know, right. he's very much aware. But like he kind of is like, you know, when he tells him in the trailer what he said or whatever, he kinda has to kind of keep it together, you know. And I think ultimately Johnny Sack probably would think it was funny if it was about anybody else. So it's one of those things where we're all pretending it's not like a good line. Right, you know, right. Or like, but we, you know, it's very disrespectful, blah, blah, blah. You know, again, we're a group of murderers and racketeers, <laughs> but we, you, know, you, you, don't, you don't insult you know, somebody's wife's weight. Um, yeah. You know, but uh, yeah. Cross the I, line. I also, I also love the, I love the Ralphie line. Who does he think he is? So Walt the rally? That's the big, and it's just like, what is okay? Like the classic, like just just dumb, like just smart enough to be a different kind of dumb, like knowing, making like a reference to something, yeah. like that sounds kind of you know fancy, you know, yeah. or calling him highfalutin because he's offended. Like that's not what that means, you know. That yeah. it's like, <laughs> just you know, perfect. He's out there starting stuff. tobacco plantations and naming things after the Virgin Queen. Who does he think he is? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah but uh, yeah i would i would say that uh and um and then also tony having to explain the joke to junior is also great like uh that's that, that 
that to me is like saves the episode is is just uh, all the different times that the joke has to be explained over and over again running it into the ground making it lose everything about it that's funny and turning it into you know just something really awful that's been said so uh you know and you know and you know it killed like that killed it it did it killed everyone loved it everyone loved it yeah, that's like uh, in Master and Commander. It's like the uh, uh, lesser of two weevils <laughs> right. level. Like everyone's just going nuts, just lo- like you know, standing up to like cool off from laughing too hard type stuff. Uh, Vince or Patrick, either of you, do you guys have a favorite scene or a least favorite scene? I mean, I said my favorite. You know, the the line uh, we reunited. 12 crack babies with their natural mothers. Uh, yeah. That, or half a dozen crack babies were reunited with their natural mothers. Yeah. Um, I, I like, um, I liked when they were running down the suspects of who talked, uh, at the Bing, um, where Sill <laughs> is kind of like talking into his box of fries. Like he has that, like that affectation <laughs> yeah, where he like yeah. doesn't look up. And, um, so they're going through all the different people and then he gets called outside to do something. And then, Christopher immediately goes and vultures some fries. And it's like, he immediately steals a fry. Immediately. As soon as Syl leaves, he was like, I gotta and wet my beak. And he's literally not being loyal to his capo. That's that's what he's literally not doing the thing that he must do according to his screenplay. It's really oh. something something wild. Yeah. Yeah. That was that was up there for me too. Love watching uh the mafia's uh, petty grifts, you know, when <laughs> it's like, no matter, it doesn't matter how big or how small, if they can skim a little bit off the top, yeah. they will. You got to get one over on somebody. That's the important thing. Yeah. yeah. Can't turn it off. Speaking of getting over, it uh, feels like this podcast is getting, is over. I don't know. I did the best I could with that segue. <laughs> I like it. Um, yeah. So solid B plus. Uh, Patrick, thank you so much for uh, coming on the podcast. Where can people find you on the internet? Um, so I'm at a uh, Patty Mo on the, the, most of the social stuff, um, Instagram, Twitter are the two that I really use TikTok. I, I do not I have, I, I made a bad bet and did not get a squat on the username fast enough. And now it's some lady in Italy. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm hoping that TikTok just goes away just so I don't have to worry about it from my, like making everything fit completeness kind of uh, part of my brain. <laughs> um, so, you know, let's hope that let's hope TikTok just stops being popular. I'm sure that's a good bet for yeah, any second a now. man in his late thirties to make <laughs> on something. Um, it's me, Patricia Mochino. I can't believe it. This, this Irish guy, he take all of my screen name. I mean, pretty much. Yeah. That's but pretty I much exactly right. TikTok. Uh, but yeah, so, uh, so that's Patty Mo and that stuff. And, uh, I'm uh yeah well, as they mentioned earlier uh what a time to be alive is the podcast it's uh you know you can find it anywhere it's not a Drake and Future album we did not do a good job on SEO with that um, mm-hmm. although we do get people referring to the show when people say the expression uh, on Twitter and stuff so that's good it's, so it's twittercom pod. um what a time dot live is a URL that gets you like a link tree of all the stuff um, nice. you know all our different places we got a Patreon all, you know it's the usual podcast stuff so definitely uh, check it out it's, it's me. And Eli uh, Uden and Kath Barbadoro, we are uh, all comedians, and we do like a uh, the, the tagline is we count down the things each week that make you say the thing that's the title of the podcast. So it's like nice. uh, dumb local news is what I would say generally. But yeah, hell yeah! So check that out wherever podcasts are given away for free and or <laughs> sold. Um, <laughs> Patreon.com slash Fratcast for all the uh, bonus episodes. Today we have a new 
patron uh, on the sh- uh, Pod Yourself a Shoutout tier. Uh, Vince, are you ready to give him a mafia name? Sure, yeah, yeah. I got my nickname hat on. All right. His name is uh, John Desort. Hey, John Desort. It's uh, it's uh, it's Johnny Bag of Donuts. You know that guy? <laughs> Crushed it, dude. Yeah. Very, very good. Hey, there he goes. He's got Yeah, we used to call him Johnny Bag of Donuts. Yeah, Johnny Bag of Donuts, Desert, uh, thank you so much for uh, joining the $8 tier. And once again, you can do it if you go to patreon.com slash frogcast and join the $8 pod yourself a shout out tier. Frogcast at gmail.com for all your questions, comments, and concerns. Vince, what's the Google voice number? 415-275-0030. All right, everyone. Thanks so much again for listening. And until next time, don't stop believing. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.